This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup at Backheel.com. Mark Fishkin and Dan Dickinson tonight. Tonight on Seeing Red, we've got Felipe Martins, number eight, the New York Red Bulls, who unleashed an absolute bomb on a sleeping Portland defense to open the scoring Sunday afternoon at Providence Park in Portland, leading the Red Bulls into the playoffs with a 2 nothing win on the road. The first time New York has won a match out in Portland. We're going to talk about the match. We're going to give our bull and cow. Like I said, we're going to talk to Felipe. We're going to talk about the playoff situation, what it really means for the Red Bulls. And we've got some stellar emails, and even a voicemail to share with you tonight on Seeing Red. Dan, it's been like a month. How you been? I've been all right, man. I've been all right. Everyone else has kind of worked their way through. Thanks so much to Eric Giacometti for picking up the slack. Thanks for one-time host Dave Martinez for stopping by. But I feel like in 2015, this, this is the teamwork that makes the dream work. So I'm very, very happy that you're back. I'm, I'm glad to be back in the semi-regular seat that has become mine. There you go. There you go. So... New York goes out to Portland after losing on the road on Wednesday night prior at New England. They get to Portland. They flew right out immediately after the match uh, out to Oregon, and I think it did them a world of good. The team was relaxed. The team was out and about sharing a brew with supporters earlier in the weekend, and uh, a really a treat for the 30 or so supporters that made the trip, including yours truly. A 2 nothing win against a Portland team that is right on the red line. doesn't look, <laughs> based on the way they played, that they, they had a whole lot. Uh, Luis Robles, his 100th consecutive start for the New York Red Bulls, absolutely phenomenal with what may be the MLS save of the year and certainly a goal of the week uh, in contention with Felipe's bomb. Dan, your general thoughts on the match? You know, I, I thought it was a surprise because there was so much talk about how Portland was going to be able to take advantage of New York given that they had the midweek game and the tired legs, and you had Dax and Connor Lade suspended, so you had to have some squad rotation. Um, and the Red Bull, I mean, Portland certainly came out swinging, but the, so did the Red Bulls, and the, those two quick, bizarre goals in each of, in each separate instance uh, really turned the momentum of the match, and Portland just looked more and more out of sorts in that second half. It was, it was not what I think anyone was expecting. No, it really wasn't, and Portland definitely had some quality chances in the first half, whether it was the header right over the bar or whether it was Valeri breaking in on Paranel and getting off a quality shot on Robles, who obviously turned it away. Uh, New York had the better of the play in the first half, but Portland was certainly dangerous, and with a little sharper finishing, which has been the story for them all year, because they just haven't scored goals all year. Uh, New York was able to weather the storm, imprint themselves, and then can they award Jesse Marsh an assist for that first goal? I think they should. I think at least a half of one. He's a former player. <laughs> the ball goes out of bounds. Jesse Marsh hustles it right down the sideline to get it uh, thrown in. And shame on the, the Timbers' defense. They just sat back and sat back and gave Felipe all the time in the world and all the room in the world. And he just, as any good player... took uh, the room that he was given by the defense and decided to make it make a have a go as as our friend Monsieur Henri used to say and blast it into the top corner and Quarese had nothing to do about it 
and then Perinel uh, off the really superb uh, setup by Verone with the header that Corsay once again didn't move. And it, it seemed th- those two plays seemed to be disconnected from the rest of the game because, as you said, they were they were just so different. They weren't. I mean, yes, the first one was in the run of play, but it it just it wasn't fluid. It was like, and now here's a goal, and now here's another. And that was kind of all she wrote. Yeah, the, the game that I was out in Portland for last month uh, when they were playing Houston, it, it ran a very similar course in the first half. You know, Portland had most of the possession and, and most of the good chances, and then Houston just sort of snuck downfield and put in two in front of the Timbers' army, and it was 2 nothing at the half. Now, huh. now in that game, they woke up at the half. Um, right, Nagy scored, and I think uh, uh, Adi, I think, scored the, the equalizer late. But in this one, they just they could not find a way back in, and it it was astonishing on the broadcast where you have Taylor Twelman, you know, <laughs> going off on on Nagby, and you know I don't I, I'm so tired of talking about him for the national team. Let's talk about Matt Miaska. And it was just it it's the sort of it was the sort of narrative that Red Bull fans normally feel like they're on the bad end of because yep. it's happened so many times. But well, and Twelman, who's been a former guest on the show, I mean he. He he was gushing uh, by, by the end of the game. He was gushing. He called Felipe right the acquisition of the year in MLS, and which I don't know if every Red Bull fan would agree, but he's certainly been a very very important part of the team. And uh, I mean, the, what is there more to say? The team's the first team in MLS to clinch a playoff spot, and here we are with six matches and a month to go in the season. Yeah, and you know, you, you can take just about any stat off the sheet from that game. A, a road shutout. Has, has the team earned a road shutout this year so far? Uh, I can't think of one. Uh, let, me, uh, let me do a little check. I don't think they have. I don't think they have. Obviously, uh, ninth shutout of the year for Luis Robles and the Red Bulls. I'm just kind of casually... Well, the road draw, the scoreless draw in Dallas. I, su- in I suppose that counts, but I, I, I'd like it, to think it's of a shutout. winning shutouts rather than, oh, than yes. dull, lifeless shutouts. But New, New York finishes 3-3-4 three, three, and four against the Western Conference, which in a year of uh, disparity between the two conferences, that's probably a decent record. Mm-hmm. New York's Western wins came against Portland, of course, Real Salt Lake, and the San Jose Earthquakes, and the, the four draws, quality draws, Colorado disappointing, Dallas, I think certainly well-earned. Uh, home for the Galaxy, fine, and then uh, SKC, the first match of the season. So you could certainly say the team did well, and that, that's all she wrote for New York versus the West. All the remaining six games are versus the East. So um want to certainly call out Sean Davis for his play, right, playing for for the suspended Dax McCarty. I'm curious as your thoughts on what you saw from Verone and Sean Wright Phillips, who both got their first start from the um, team. I thought Verone looked good. I think he probably needs a little more time settling in and actually playing with the team. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, he's he's still making guest appearances, ultimately. But uh, 60 minutes is a good shift. And I don't... Uh, it sounded like from the quote sheet that he was totally fine with that. And, uh, you know, I think, I think Sean looked okay, but similarly, you know, he hasn't had a lot of time to gel with the, the players that are on the field. But it is, a, it is a relief that you can slot in two players. Like, I mean, that you have depth like that in the first place, right? Absolutely. Well, three players, yeah. right? Um, and Salzizo in the back. And, and to have that depth and to have the, the system still work and to not have to you know, revert to a different formation or that you can't keep the high press going, 
um, speaks a lot to the system the team's been running this year. Yeah, terrific, terrific. So that being said, a solid, convincing win that puts New York at the top of the East, tied on points with the Vancouver Whitecaps for tops in the league in the shield spot. One game in hand New York has on the Whitecaps, um, and they have the league on wins, which is the first tiebreaker, having played one more match. So with all that, can you give a single bowl for a 2 nothing road shutout? Um, I can, and it's also with slight consideration to the New England game, but I'm going to give it to Luis Robles, because mm-hmm. in both games, he made a number of pivotal stops, and I think any game where you've got a save-of-the-year front-running candidate, uh, although there was a furious debate on, online about whether it was a single save or a double save, because it only counted as one shot, but... That, right. That's for the nerds, but I, I think Louise just, you know, put put in two solid shifts, even if one of them was on the the wrong end of the result, and you know he he looked good for 180 minutes this week. Yeah, he certainly. I, I think when you're playing in your 100th match uh, straight for the team, I think it's uh, it's absolutely acceptable to be named a bull of the week when you post a road shutout and do uh, that amazing work that he did uh, in the second half. And then your cow. Well, similarly, if I'm stretching it across, um, after going back and watching the New England highlights this afternoon, I'm, I'm going to feel compelled to give it to Kamar Lawrence who I believe is the one who completely blew the offside trap on that second New England goal. Because um, that, that, that was avoidable. You've got three defenders standing forward, and he's six yards back. And, and let, what was it, uh, Kellen Rowe get mm-hmm. that free shot off? So um, going to give it to Kamar. Uh, so you're, really reach, you're basically saying there's no cow uh, I didn't for the see Portland one at the game. Portland game but. At the Portland game, excuse me. Um, and I'm not going to give it to Caleb Porter as much as everyone will. Uh, what, what did wait? What did Caleb Porter say? He said they, that they were two soft goals. Oh dear! Because you know you 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 score a 35 yard bomb. That, that's soft. I mean, <laughs> I think he was referring to his own defense. Oh no, 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 he was talking about the goals that were scored. It was not oh, about his defense. Oh my goodness, that's uh, that's saucy. Um, I mean, the team did not play terribly well in New England. Certainly after the second goal by the Revolution, you really got the sense that it would have been very, very difficult to come back and, and New York was going to come back and, and tie up that game. Um, you know, Robles was certainly at fault on that first goal by Diego Fagundes on the short side. I mean, that was not one of his better moments, but he certainly earned it. Yeah, I'll give mine to Kamar Lawrence as well. Obviously tired, and frankly, I was a little bit surprised that he got the start against the Timbers because he did look so gassed uh, against New England. But he, I, I thought, put in an uh, excellent shift against the Timbers. So, uh, well, let's just say it's like half a cow. It's like, okay, Kamar, but only for the Wednesday game, but we run to nothing on the road and clinch the playoffs in a place we've never won before without our captain and another starter who was... Suspended, so I think we can. Uh, it's a light cow. It's a calf. It's a calf. It's, it's if, a bull and it's calf. It's a half calf. Ew. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> On Friday at Red Bull Arena, New York will host the Orlando City SC Lions for the first time in history. Orlando City is nine thirteen and eight for thirty five points. Their seventh 
in the MLS East below the red line, and they're tied for 15th in MLS. They have a minus 14 goal differential and minus 18 on the road. Orlando away is 4-8-3. They score 1.1 goals, and they allow more than two. More than two and a quarter, actually, when playing on the road. Their four away wins this season. One at Houston in March, at Portland in April, and the other two came at the Chicago Fire once in June and once just last week. Orlando is 3-7-3 in their last 13 games, but they have won the last two, a home win against Sporting KC and the aforementioned win at the Chicago Fire. Kyle Laren, a draft pick for the Lions, is going to be playing up top, Canadian International, 11 goals on the season, leads the team. Kaká will return to the team. He has nine goals. He's missed the last number of games with an injury. The team that took on and beat the high Fast Chicago Fire uh, last Saturday night. Rivas, Lewis Neal, who will sit in favor of Kaká. And Swiss international Adrian Winter, who has uh, scored two goals against Kansas City in the home and two weeks ago. Um, Mr. Alex Morgan, Servando Carrasco, plays for this team. Aurelian Collin plays for this team, a wonderful human being. And Tally Hall is in goal, 7-8-5, a 1.85 goals against average is ghastly with five shutouts. Um, the big spark of late for Orlando is Brian Roche, the Honduran DP international, came off the bench in the last two games and has scored two goals in those games, including the game winner at Toyota Park in the 86th minute. Orlando apparently has done what New York has not, and that is one at Toyota Park. Uh, as I said, Laren with the 11, Kakai with nine. No one else on the team has more goals than two. This is a team that has taken a lot of red cards, the most in the league, over the course of the season. And in fact, in New York's win um, in the Citrus Bowl way back in July, a 2 nothing win for New York. Oh, hello. There's your, there's your road shutout, dude. Right there. <laughs> July 18th, 2 nothing at Orlando. I guess it's an expansion team, so it doesn't no. count. Anyway, uh, question goes down. Kaká gets... Uh, the red question with the bomb on the free kick, and then Mike Grella won it very late, very late, breaking down four or five players uh, to score the winner. So, again, um, you know, Orlando has some newfound confidence. They have not been a good team of late. They will be buoyed by the return of their international superstar, Brazilian Kaká. And I'm just curious as your thoughts on what we might see Friday night at Red Bull Arena. Well, I, I think the thing that doesn't show on the stat sheet is how desperate Orlando is for a win right now. You know, they're, they're clinging to life and hopes that Montreal is going to collapse horrifically in the playoff race and that they could sneak in. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, they, they might just be a little bit more dangerous than one might expect looking at their record. You know, I, I'm seeing they are 2-7-1 uh, and one on the road against Eastern competition. Mm. Um, which which is pretty awful, and those two wins came against Chicago, as you mentioned. Chicago, right. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, they are getting into form, as many of the teams just below the red line seem to be, because if they don't, they're out. Um, and, you know, as we're recording, I know we're both keeping an eye on Montreal versus Chicago, uh, which yep. is going to play a lot into that. So um, I, I think they'll be dangerous. I think they've got – they have talent on the roster. I just don't know that it's all clicking together. Um, I was impressed with uh, 
winter during that game against uh, Kansas City. Um, Kyle Aaron has shown good moments. I also still remember that whiff from the Gold Cup, I think it was. Mm, that, uh, that was sort of unforgettable. Um, you know, Kaka's had an up and down year. He, you know, has good moments and then he gets really frustrated with the officiating. I can't imagine mm. any DPs getting <laughs> frustrated with the officiating. Or any players or fans or coaches. Yeah, of not. And then you've got, you know, Tally Hall and Goal, who's been good. I mean, it's Tally Hall, but by that same token, he's not been great. So I, I think it will be an interesting match. I think, uh, I think the Red Bulls need to keep the foot on the gas and not turn this into a trap game. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't think they're a giant threat, but these are the games that, that slip easily. They certainly can. Uh, before we go to predictions and other news, let's just kind of set up where we are in terms of games of note in MLS. Vancouver, obviously tied with New York on points, has played one more game than New York. They are actually hosting the Seattle Sounders in a CONCACAF Champions League match this evening. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, later, is that tomorrow? Hold on. Let's check our calendar to make sure we're looking in the right place. No, yes, uh, this evening as we record on Wednesday night, and then they host New York City Football Club on Saturday. You have to think that will probably go Vancouver's way, although uh, those clowns have been picking it up a little bit of late. Of course, New York has Orlando on Friday. FC Dallas, one point behind New York. Equal on games played goes to L.A., and obviously L.A. also on 47 points. One would hope for a draw in that match to take critical points away. L.A. only has four matches to play to New York six. Next, also tied at 47, is the Columbus Crew. Also four games to play for the Crew. They host the Portland Timbers. New England, two points back, hosts Philadelphia, who is resurgent. They had a win uh, over the weekend. And then Seattle, 44 points. They play Vancouver tonight. And then at Sporting Kansas City. DCU hosts Montreal right now is tied 1-1 with Chicago. And uh, SKC, as we said, is hosting the Seattle Sounders. So that kind of sets up where, where we look. That, that L.A.-Dallas game, uh, if L.A. loses that game, if Dallas is able to go into L.A. and win, um, L.A. can just about forget about hanging on to any sort of shield hopes whatsoever. So, you know, pivotal weekend. They're all going to be pivotal weeks and weekends all the way through. New York plays first in the league on Friday night at Red Bull Arena. Oh, and, I mean, well, can we just talk about the challenge of getting the Red Bull Arena this Friday night, Dan? I, I don't know what you're talking about, Mark. So not only will the Pope be in New York, and not only is the UN General Assembly happening, Billy Joel is playing at the Garden, and I believe Beyonce has a free concert in Bryant Park, and I believe, I think the Devils are playing that they night. Are. And, and um, I offer you this. If you, are, if you are living and or working east of the Hudson, it may do you well to call in well to work on Friday and or work from home if you have the opportunity to and and may lots take lots and lots of patience in terms of getting through. I would have to think the path and not Penn Station would be the way to go or to drive uh, you know south over the outer bridge crossing and come up from there if you're driving or of you know cross over the Tappan Zee if you're coming from the north. I mean the city. This is going to be a traffic Armageddon, which I guess if the Pope's in town is not the best thing, but it's going to be very, very difficult to get uh, to Red Bull Arena on time, much less at all on Friday. So please, please be careful. How are you going to get there? Uh, I'm probably just going to take the path. 
Yeah, but that's not that complicated. That. So go, going back to the shield race and the match of notes, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it really is down to a three-team race at this point because the the thing that's not apparent on the schedule right now, but that comes up in a couple of weeks, is that Vancouver and Dallas still have play, to play each other twice. The, yes. I think they play the first one in Vancouver and the second one in Dallas. Um, they're yes. Wednesday night games, mysteriously. A week apart. A week apart from each other. They don't have weekend games in between them. But basically... If either team sweeps that series, they're going to be in good shape for the Shield. And it, right. if they split the points or if draws start happening, it, it just bumps New York's odds up even higher. And so, you know, the Galaxy are on 47, but without any games in hand, um, you know, the, their chances, uh, according to Sports Club stats, which I've absolutely been glued to this year, are, <laughs> yes. are just at 1.9% at the moment of, of falling yeah. the Shield. So... It's it's really between Vancouver, Dallas, and New York at this point. Yeah. So New York right now, as the sports club, is a 57 percent favorite to win the Shield, and they obviously can do a whole lot of uh, help to add to that by winning Friday night in Orlando. Before we get to predictions, and I know we're holding out on you, um, in their first season, we talked about this last week, Red Bulls 2 made the USL playoffs. Congratulations to John Wallenick and Ibra Sagaya for helping get that team through. They finished the season 12-10-6, which was good enough for fourth place in the USL East. And if you are uh, if you're up for it, Saturday, after the Friday Red Bulls Uno match, the Red Bulls 2 will host the Pittsburgh Riverhounds at 5 p.m. at Red Bull Arena. If you are a season ticket holder, you probably have in your inbox an email uh, offer for free tickets to this match. And if you are not a season ticket holder and want to see Stars of Tomorrow... It might be an opportune time, if you have the time in your calendar, to come on out. I think the weather will be very nice this weekend at 5 o'clock. It will be uh, plenty of time. If you, if, if you don't sit at midfield and would like to experience what that's like, I urge you to come on. I believe the tickets at the box office are all of $10, and it is a USL playoff game. If the, the winner of that match will take on the Rochester Rhinos, who... Um, absolutely ran away with the entire league, 16-1-10. And, and in fact, in the season finale in Rochester, the Red Bulls, too, uh, scored a goal late to tie the match and then uh, lost an injury, deeper in injury time, on a goal by uh, the Rhinos, who just simply don't quit. So uh, this will probably be the only uh, home playoff game the Red Bulls will face. The Red Bulls, too, will play, so uh, go out there and check it out. Uh, that said, okay, so now it's prediction time. New York, home, presumably rested. The team flew back on the red-eye Sunday night, had Monday off, and then went back to training uh, on Tuesday. Um, t- playing at home, 9-2-2 two two at home. The Red Bulls have won their last six matches at home, uh, which is a quite a streak, and they've only con- uh, conceded three goals in those six matches. What are your thoughts on what we might see? Let's have it the hard prediction before we get to Felipe. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1. 3-1 for New York. For New Just York. Check. For New York. I think uh, Orlando's back line is shaky enough that uh, the, the goals will come. And, yeah, I feel comfortable with 3-1. 
I like three one. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give it another two nothing victory. I think New York is gonna post yet another shutout. They've been so strong at home. You'll certainly may see some magic from Kaká, uh, but I think at the end of the day, with the defense, you'll certainly have uh, Connor Laid back. You'll have Dax McCarty back. Um, it'll be very very interesting to see what happens. But I think New York's gonna take this no problem and continue on their quest for yet another supporter shield. Again, a quick reminder: the remaining games or Orlando, Columbus on the 3rd, Montreal on the 7th of October, at Toronto a week later, home for Philadelphia, and then at the Chicago Fire, who have fired their coach to complete uh, complete up. Montreal's gone up 2-1 on Chicago as we speak. So be it. When we're back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to Felipe Martins for the first time as a New York Red Bull on Seeing Red. We'll be right back. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup at Backheel.com. Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson, back in the saddles again. Very, very excited to have a, It's always a great time when we have a first-time Red Bull on Seeing Red. Felipe Martins was acquired from Montreal on January 27th, along with an allocation spot that turned out to be Sasha Kleschen for Eric Alexander and Ambrose Ayango, and all he's done in his 28 appearances for the New York Red Bulls is uh, three goals and five assists on the season, including a blast into the top corner this past Sunday at Portland. Taylor Twellman called him the acquisition of the year in MLS. Felipe, welcome to Seeing Red. Thank you guys for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to be part of the show tonight, and uh, thank you for, for again for everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Has Jesse Marsh ever assisted on one of your goals before? Because uh, he was very instrumental in making that happen. Yeah, he was very quick. He was very quick. He he threw the ball to Kamara very quick, and uh, you know it was that that I could finish that play, and uh, we won that game. That's the most important thing for us. Felipe, uh, since everybody was talking about that goal right after it happened, uh, walk us through it a little bit. Were you surprised that Portland gave you so much space to basically stroll downfield and just take a shot from that far out? I think I think uh, you know, like uh, the guys know that I always pass the ball. I try to to pass the ball, so they drop and they give me so much space, and then uh, I decide to shot. I took the shot, and uh, you know, went well after. Maybe 75 shots, and the second guy with most shots in the, in the team, and uh, finally I got one. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's um let's go back to the beginning of the year. Uh, were you surprised that Jesse came knocking to get you on his side when he took over the team? You, he obviously coached you in, back in 2012. Yeah, he was the the guy who brought me from from Switzerland. He saw me playing there, and he brought him to Montreal. It was. Uh, I would like to have him there in Montreal. I had a very good year, and then uh, he left. And then when uh, he, he took the job here, uh, I, I had no idea that he would take me here. So, But that uh, after a while, he showed the opportunity, and, and he decided to, to, to try to get me here. And I, I couldn't be happier to, to be here. Part of this organization, the best team in the MLS, and the fans, the arena, you know, Everything is uh, better than anything in MLS here. Now, you had spent three years in Montreal, and you know this is the first time you were changing teams in MLS. What was that adjustment like? What was it like getting used to your new teammates and moving down to Harrison? 
I think the guys here, here we are like a family. You know, we treat each other with uh, a lot of respect, and uh, we are not uh, like just teammates. We going out like a outside of the pitch. We go for dinner. We we meet each other with the family. So we are much much more than a team. We are like a family here. I think this was the most important thing because they they made me feel welcome here. And you know, like being. I think in in MLS and be in America is much. I think for even if you for people who watch the games and everything is much better because in Canada is not a lot of fans like who watch soccer as we have here. You know, so I think uh, playing for in in America in MLS and especially for Red Bulls, uh, I couldn't be happier. And so when you're out with the team, I mean, have you gone and sampled everything in the Ironbound? I mean, obviously, coming from Brazil, that's probably on the East Coast. That's just got to be the mecca for great Brazilian food. How does it compare? <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, uh, I left my house when I was so young. I lived in different countries. But, uh, of course, being here, it's uh, much better than the other side and I think uh, I'm even closer to my house here even if it's 13 hours and much closer than being the other side so I think uh, being here it's great for me and for my family. So let, let's jump back to the last week because it was a little bit of a long week you had that uh, loss in midweek in New England and then the trip to Portland taking you all the way out to the West Coast. What was the mentality of the team in those few days between the games when you guys were flying out to Portland and, and trying to get acclimated and trying to get ready for that game on Sunday. How are you planning on rebounding? What sort of things were you guys talking about? I think since the beginning of the season, Jeff is being work on our mentality and mentality of the team. And what he's building, he is very strong mentality, a very good team that we always believe in. We believe what we're doing. We believe in, in the plan. And we stick to the plan. We stick to what he tells us every day. And I think the mentality... After the game, we know we felt like we didn't play our best game, but we we knew that in two in three days we could change that thing. So we went to Portland like very confident that we could get three points, and that's what happened. The, the team we made some change, but the team is still the same, you know, because I believe the guys have a lot of qualities. This team is we play for each other from the first minute to the end, so. I think they believe in this strong mentality that yes, build is uh, everything for this team. One of the things that Sasha had said in his post-game comments, uh, explaining to the folks in Portland the pressing style, is that he was unsure when he first got to the team and learned the game plan how the team was going to make it through an entire season, expending so much energy. You're down to the final six games. You're in the playoffs. And then, obviously, it'll be a short sprint once you get there to hopefully deliver the team's first cup. Is the team uh, healthy, lots of energy, fully fit, and ready to make this final push? Of course. I think the because especially when you play the, the way we play, we press a lot, we, we run, but we run with the ball, not without the ball. So that's the most important. When you run without the ball... That is the bad part because we run and you don't have the ball. I think we, this team, we run, we get the ball and we play and we have the ball. So even if we run a lot, we always have the ball. So 
I think uh, the team is is built for 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 the entire season. I think more than any time we are ready for this push for the the end of the season and hopefully to to get to our goal. You know, the season's not done. We have a lot of a long way to go, but I think the team is ready and everybody's ready to to make a history here. Now, Felipe, this club has a long history of players with sort of signature goal celebrations, and and watching you this season, I've noticed that. Almost any time somebody else scores, you're ready to run right over and give them the, the, the shoe shine. And I, I know you even tweeted a picture of the shoe shine stand at the Portland airport the other day. <laughs> how, how did that become your go-to goal celebration, even if you're not scoring? What, what made that your thing? I, I think I can't uh, shine my, my own shoes, but uh, I, I, it's a pleasure for me when I see somebody of my teammates scoring. I think... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a gold medal for them and I send their shoes because that means they did something great for the team. So it's just come naturally and uh, I appreciate the guys when they score and to, to just this little service to be a little more gold medal for them when they score to, to shine the shoes and hopefully they score more goals. <laughs> <laughs> well, given you guys are tied for the most in the league, I think it's definitely working so far. Um, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Early in the season, uh, Felipe, you were you were the one that was anointed to take the free kicks in the corners, and then over the last number of weeks, now it's Sasha Kleschen having that responsibility. Was that uh, an issue for you um, when the team decided it would be Sasha's, and do you hope to be able to get back there soon? No, you know, like, we are a team. We are a team, so it doesn't matter who takes the free kicks, so, because, uh, you know, we are a team, so... If you just decide to to take one other one, going to take a free that's we uh, have got to respect, you know. And if one day he he needs me, I'm there. But uh, Sasha has been great with set pieces and taking very good corners and set pieces, so he can continue because I'm happy that he's taking very well set pieces. I can help in other ways. There you go. Um, Felipe, I don't think most people realize how young you are. Uh, you're turning 25 next week, right? Yeah, on thirty yeah. September thirtieth and twenty twenty five. Yeah, I think you've been around the league long enough that people think you're much older than that. <laughs> so <laughs> given that you're now in your fourth year in the league, what? how have you seen a change? Because been, uh, there's been a lot of growth uh, around MLS. What, what's been your experience with it? Uh, it's been great for me to be part of this league, to, to see the league grow. You know, after my, my fourth season, I can see the difference when I first get here and now it's uh, every year is getting better and better and so it's a pleasure to to be part of this this league to to grow with this league and become a better person become a better player every year and I hope to stay a long time and hope to stay with the Red Bulls and it's it's great playing here with a lot of players very good players and especially play with the Red Bulls that always was a uh, my my dream, so I can say my dream came true. <laughs> so the team has been playing all year, Felipe, with the quote-unquote chip on their shoulder, right? Not expected to do much, and yet tops in the league in goals, first team to clinch playoffs, and a shot, uh, hopefully, at coming home with some more hardware before the end of the season. You, you've you've clinched the playoffs with six weeks six matches to play in the league. How does the team keep that attitude and that chip on the shoulder despite all the success they've had this season? I think uh, the most 
important thing in a player, in a person, and in a, in a team. And whatever you say, I talk about life is humble. Be humble. I think this team is very humble because you can see from the forward to the to the keeper, everybody runs when they have to run to to win. Everybody give everything we had. So I think uh, we are very humble guys. We are honest guys who want to get in the field and do everything we can for this team, for for each other. So I think uh, we are ready for anything. You know, we we don't let us uh, the head get away from what is our our goals. You know, we, so we keep on that in mind and we put it in the wall and every day we see what we want and we go for that. We don't forget that it's a long way to go, but anything can happen this way. We are ready to, to take it and to solve the problem. And so obviously you guys are coming up against Orlando, a team you've beaten before in kind of a strange physical game. It seemed as if, uh, I mean, Kaká obviously left the match early. What are you expecting from him? He will be healthy. He's um, uh, back in training, and uh, from our Orlando people tell us he is going to be playing on Friday. What are the challenges in, in playing against a world superstar like Kaká? I think uh, we gotta respect them until the the the, the refs start the, the game. After that, we are eleven players against eleven, and we are one v one in the field. So I'm gonna try to do my best against him. That's gonna try to do his best against him. Everybody's gonna try to to play against their team. We can't think just about one player, but we gotta think about him. They're a good team. They're a good team, but they're coming here. And they can expect that we are we're gonna be ready for a fight. We're gonna be ready for for a physical game too, and we're gonna put the game on our way. We're gonna get three points because we need those three points. You want to make a prediction for Friday? Prediction? And the only prediction I'm gonna get is we're gonna give everything, and we want to win this game. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> Felipe wears number eight for the New York Red Bulls. Felipe, it was really great talking to you for the first time on the show. We hope to have you back in the postseason and beyond. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. And uh, it was a pleasure for me for to be part of this show tonight. And I uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. Absolutely. We've got more Seeing Red coming up after this short break. Stay with us. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup. Mark and Dan here. Boy, Felipe's great. I was very happy to have him on. He was terrific. He really was. As you said, you forget that he's only 24 because he's been in the league for four seasons already, but he's doing a terrific job and... Um, it was just great to hear a little bit from him. Yeah. I thought he gave a good interview. Um, again, it's time for us to hear from you in our third segment. You can call us at 973-602-9161 and leave a voicemail, as our friend Lewis did right here. Hi, this is Lewis Altoon, um soccer ref and soccer fan. Just want to let you guys know you guys are doing a great job. I love your show. I've been um, following it for a couple of years now, more than that. Um, anyway, um, this is regarding um, last Sunday's game. I have to admit, the team is playing great. I think we're heading in the right direction. And um, I have a feeling something special is going to happen. I don't know why, but I just have that feeling. I've been following the team since 1996, back when it was the Metro Stars. Now it's the Red Bulls, and um, I have to say, I'm loving it. Keep on doing a good job, and um, 
hopefully um, in a few weeks, I'll leave another hot message for you guys. New York is red. Take care. Bye. So Lewis thinks there's, uh, there's something special going on, and uh, he has a good special feeling that something's going to happen. What do you think about... Uh, what do you think about what's going to happen? Well, I mean, this, this is that dangerous part of the show where I start saying things and then people claim that I'm jinxing the team. That's how it works. Well, no, that's how, how everything – I mean, if you dare to say anything, the magical power of your voice will forever yes. change the course of history. Yes. Um, so, look, realistically, the team is going to clinch top of the East. Whether or not that means the Shield, and it, it probably will, because I'm sure Dallas and Vancouver – are not somebody's not going to sweep that series. They're going to beat each other yeah. in submission. Um, you know, they trade it three three, whatever. Uh, it, it'll work out. But just you know, you clench the top of the East, you get a CCL berth. So I I don't feel it's at least yeah. right. I I don't feel terribly out of line saying that a, a Champions League berth is is in the cards for this team. Um, that said, I look at who's in playoff position in the East at this point. Yep. And I see teams that um, the Red Bulls have generally, not everybody, but, but generally struggled with at some point this year. Um, you know, you've got the crew who can be very quick up top, and they, they did yep. not that win at Crew Stadium or, or yep. Mafre Stadium. Uh, <laughs> you, you've got the Revs who we just saw. And granted, right, they, sure. you know, they beat the hell out of them back in June or whenever it was. Um, yep. But... You know, you're, you're trading blows. DC United is the only team that's not terrifying here because DC has the fewest points in the entire league since August first. Right. So they are they, in. They're collapsing. Fall. It'd be great to see them in the playoffs at this point. Um, yep. You know, Toronto's had mixed results, but they've got Javinko, and if he has a good game, um, and Matt Miazga can't keep him in his pocket again, who knows? And then you've got the Impact, who have that speedy attack, and uh, you know it. it so th- these are not teams that I think are going to be a cakewalk. Everybody's talked this year about the East being soft Weak. in comparison to the West, but I, there are good teams here. And so I, I don't know that I necessarily see the team advancing down the last cup. You do not. I, I don't necessarily. I, I think it's possible, but I don't think it's a given. What you, oh, certainly not a given. No. Absolutely not. Right. No. So what you're right. It's not a gimme here. Right. New York will have to fight its way through. Absolutely. Um, Montreal scares me. Montreal is. Start- yeah. yeah. Starting to score goals. New York hasn't seen Montreal with Drogba. And that match coming up in a couple of weeks is going to definitely be key. Um, you know, Toronto, New York had the three nothing beatdown there. It'll be very curious to see what happens on the 14th. Yeah. I mean, D.C., on the on the back of their great first half, I mean they're going to make the playoffs. Right. They right with forty five points, they're ten points um, above the red line, so they're they're pretty safe with where we are right now. Unless one of the bottom teams sweeps, it would be uh, as bad as they're playing. It would be horrendous for them to follow the playoffs. I would love, as you said, to get them. Columbus has got to be confident playing us. Beat us two to one, as you said. And New England has got to be incredibly confident about playing us. Winning at home without Jermaine Jones. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it'll be interesting to see. I, yeah, I, there's there's not much more I, I can add to that. I mean, I think it's it's going to be a battle. N- New York has a really good shot, as you said, for finishing top of the East and getting that CCL berth and maybe more. And, you know, if New York wins their home games, if New York wins their four home games, they will have the shield 
Absolutely, without a doubt. So that's uh, that's where the focus needs to be. Here is Scott Matthews who writes, Hi guys, now that the Red Bulls are in the home stretch, what do you think of Marsh's tactical adjustments over the season? In late spring, the concern was whether the Red Bulls could play anything but a high press. But their defensive strength over the season shows that they aren't so one-dimensional. What does the strategy over the season say about how they'll break down opponents in home and away playoff rounds? Do you think that they will use the final month of the regular season to experiment with tact- specific tactics to respond to their apparent weakness, fast counter, and park buses that may come into play with away goals being so valuable. Thanks for all you do. I think you've seen a little bit of that in their kind of funky corner kick play, right? Because they know, I mean, as we said, in New England, they went down 2-1 with, you know, 25 minutes to play, hmm. and there, there was really nothing. They were done. Right. They were beaten in a way that they haven't, truly been beaten, I guess, since Chicago. Listen, the team has the fewest losses in the league, so to really dig into the games that they did lose, and of course, four of them came right in the middle of the season. So, yeah, I mean, they have had trouble breaking down bunkers, as any team does. Um, I don't know, what do you think? Um, You know, I I think the point about the set pieces is that just the team has been working on them extra hard from what I hear this year. Um, I, I don't know that I've necessarily seen a lot of tactical switching. I've seen a lot of rotation and, and competition for some of the spots. You've seen that on the right. You've seen that on the left. You know, the the, wing, the midfielders and the fullbacks have gotten a fair amount of rotation, as, as well as trying to figure out what to do about the center backs between international call-ups and uh, Zubar's constant injuries and things like that. But I, I think the spine of the team... You know, Felipe and Dax sitting in front of the, the center backs, Sasha and, and Bradley up top. I, I think that's been pretty consistent. I think what you've seen is just a little bit more, uh, depending on the game, either really strong maturity about that defensive form. You think about the games where Miazga has been putting on these crazy performances against David Villa and uh, uh, God. Chivinko, yeah, I was going to say Gilberto, which was uh, he's playing for Chicago right now. Yes, he yeah. is, and uh, yeah. you know he he's done a good job of stepping up in those games. But you know, you think back to the Chicago game a couple of weeks ago, and the the team got torn apart very quickly, and yeah. and had to you know scratch their way back into that one. So I I think it's just continuing to mature it. I think it I think it's tweaks to the existing strategy. I think the thing that's most impressed me is at the beginning of the season, I think most of the letters we got about high press, high energy was, oh, this team's going to melt in the summer. There's no way they're going to be able to hold up. And the reality, I don't know if it's that the breaks in the schedule have worked out or the, the, just the fact that there's a little bit of rotation in some of the players by necessity. Sure. But this team has not melted. Like they're they're still playing high press and they played a fantastic high press three days into their, you know, after their first game in a road trip this week. so Yeah. Um, agree completely. Absolutely. Here's a, a question from Britt Bird, who is curious about St. Bradley's Day. Mm. Hi, Mark, Dan, Dave, Eric. Hmm. Lovely to finally hear your voices last week, even though you're listening to your extremely optimistic predictions the morning after our sour defeat was soul-crushing in its own way. All I want to say about the New England game is that it has finally clarified my hierarchy of hate in this league. The team I hate the most for historical reasons and for just existing is D.C., 
the team whose fan base I can stand the least is certainly the blue team. But when it comes to players themselves, there is no collection of people I can't stand more than the New England Revolution in the 2015 MLS season. Has a team ever had such horrible hair in the history of soccer? In the history of hair? Who names their child Kellen? Anyway... <laughs> One pleasant bonus from qualifying for the playoffs so early is that it also means we have secured a finish above delusions of grandeur FC. The folks over at Once a Metro and some on the Facebook discussion group thought this might uh, deserve its own tongue-in-cheek representation and moniker. Now, I'm fully aware that I may be screaming out Eurosnob, and Dan will probably dismiss this while explaining how Portland is still a bigger, if unexpected, rival. I'd also like to direct Dan to a straw poll on the Facebook group where Portland won in a landslide for people's second teams. But I thought since the discussion had already started, we might as well crowdsource it to seeing red. Brightest and finest. What say you? Should we commemorate the day with the name of a key player or MLS figure like Bradley Wright Phillips or Medi Bellucci? Or maybe something relating to the New York region? Something involving the color red? All three? For what it's worth, I'm inclined to agree that we should repeat the feat before baptizing it, but I'm speculating on a future name might be fun. Also, hallelujah that we finally had a watch party that wasn't canceled by thunderstorms. And Robles' double save was easily the loudest roar of the afternoon. It was like we had scored a goal. Cheers, Britt Bird from Brooklyn. Uh, did you make it to the uh, to the to Hoboken? I, I did not. I was watching from home. I, I do deeply appreciate that somebody remembered how much I love calling Portland a rival. Uh, I, I do appreciate that. So I, I am not going to scream Eurosnob. I think that uh, dedicating the day where the margin cannot be closed in the spirit of St. Totteringham's Day over in North London um, is entirely appropriate. I, I also agree that picking a name is uh, remarkably difficult. I think one of the th- options on the Once a Metro poll um, did tug at my heartstrings, which was uh, honoring the the rare accomplishment of the first player to have scored for both clubs. Which is very Bellucci. Yes, and to name it the uh, Feast of St. Bellucci. <laughs> and just to be clear, so everyone understands, this is the day where the Red Bulls finish and clinch a higher record than New York, a better but record than New York There is no City. way they can catch. Right, Bulls. they can't be caught. The Red Bulls will be a better team than New York City. Uh, that's tremendous. I agree that we should work on this for, for 2016. Uh, what were some of the other choices? Uh, Do you remember? Let me, I'm going to pull up once a Metro while I'm talking. I know right. St. Bradley's Day. Uh, right. I think there were, you know, there was something Metro-related. I like the Feast of St. Bellucci. Here's I the bowl. That's great. Okay. St. Totteringham's Day 2. The Feast no, fe- Day of St. Teddy Bellucci. Uh, uh-huh. NY is Red Day. St. Bradley's Day. Metro Day. Sunday. Or other. Uh, 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 um, Saint, Bradley does have the honor of being the first player to score against NYCFC. Yes. So, uh, I like St. Bradley's Day. It's kind of fun. All right. Uh, somebody, else, well, uh, somebody else suggested well, San Curricula Day. <laughs> it would be pretty Metro. Here's Ira Jersey who writes, At the town hall, I asked Coach March about players going to national team duty, and if he worried about injury or missing players. His answer was very pro-national team duty, and highlighted Matt, young Matt Miazga, going to the U-20 World Cup in late spring and coming back a better player. While I agree generally in the long run this is true, I'm concerned about Matt leaving for Olympic qualifying in October. If I recall, the Red Bulls had their troubles when Matt was away for the U-20s. The bench is deep in midfield, but with injuries, it's not clear how the back line will gel without him. I'd love to bring my 11-year-old Red Bull and general soccer fanatic to see the Red Bulls in the MLS Cup Finals. Even if we have to play away, which I hope we don't because the shield is in reach. Your thoughts? Ira Jersey. Um, 
it's true that the Red Bulls are a better team when young Matt Miazga is on the field. I believe he will only miss, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Columbus game. I believe that he will be here for all the other matches. I'm going to try and pull up. Well, you're pulling that up. I will give one more name for the, the yeah, last letter, yeah, yeah. which uh, had a, a lovely image attached of uh, a certain cartoon character. Uh, Weepy Smurf Day. <laughs> that's tempting mm. that is tempting um, it, if the US under 23 team um, moves on to the semi if they win, finish first and second in their group which uh, by all accounts should be the case then Matt will miss two matches he'll leave after the Orlando match He'll miss Columbus, and he will miss Montreal. Those are two very important games, and there are very strong central attackers in Kay Kamara and, of course, Didier Drogba. So I agree that that is something to be concerned about. However, however, the Red Bulls have clinched the playoff berth, and he certainly will be back in time for the last three matches of the season. So I'm certainly not prepared to say that all is lost, but it, it is a concern. So thank you for bringing that up, Ira. We definitely appreciate it. Any thoughts on this? Uh, no, I think that's fair. I think that uh, if they can't keep their home streak alive, though, it does put the shield a bit more out of reach. But we'll see. If it's only two games, then maybe it's not the end of the world. Paul Mazuat, who I believe has written before uh, in years past, says, Dear Brothers and Pod, I love your show, but it must be said whenever you open up your email account and nothing but moths fly out. So I'm here to help. A constant criticism of past coaching regimes have been, A, lack of a consistent lineup, and 2, <laughs> lack of timely subs. Several years ago, it seemed like we were two months into the season before we played the same back line twice. Now, Marsh has been so consistent, I hear fans clamoring for more squad rotation. I appreciate Marsh's if it ain't broke, don't fix a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach this year. But why do you think he's been so successful keeping the same lineup match, uh, match in and match out? This is a multiple choice question. Is it <clears throat> a fewer spots, soft spots on the roster, limiting number of times he has to replace underperformers? B preparation in the off season, thus firming up each position before the start of the year. C Playing a consistent formation tactics. D. There we go to J. By the way, D. Fewer international call-ups. E. Fewer injuries. F. More patience with the starting eleven. G. Less fixture congestion. Don't tell that to uh, Chelsea. F. Or I'm sorry. H. Early success limited early season experimentation. I. Fewer mid-season signings. Or J. Other. Fill in the blank. Thanks for considering this question, and thanks again for the service you perform for all of Red Bull and Metro fandom. That's Paul Mazuit. Um, I love multiple choice. I don't recall getting ten <laughs> possible answers. Uh, of course, the irony from Paul's email is that we had four non-starters in the game uh, against Portland, and we won two nothing. So, and we all talk about the depth that's on the team. Is there an answer here? I know you were, f you were fervently writing down each of these. Yeah, responses. no, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the inbox so I can read through them again. Uh, I, I am going to give my answer. I'm not sure if it was one of the, uh, yes. the the options, but I think the reason Jesse's been able to do it is that by some miracle this year, the team has not been hit with the injury bug 
as badly as it has in past years. Um, you know, you've got Zubar, you had Zizo missing, you know, Zizo and, and Duvall have been missing because of uh, broken legs, effectively. But yep. but those have been the only real serious injuries. You're not dealing with uh, Thierry's Achilles uh, flaring up. You're not dealing with... Or turf. Uh, yeah, the, you know, the turf, turf issues. You're not dealing with Lloyd Sam's hamstring breaking down. Dax's back injury that was a big deal at the beginning of last year isn't a thing anymore. You know, the, the team's been really healthy. And that that's something I don't think many teams in MLS can say this year. So that yeah. that's it for me. Uh, right. I mean, and when you think about players that he's brought in, I mean, uh, Robles notwithstanding, the team has been incredibly well conditioned, right? And um, very few games lost to injury. But I think that, I think there's something in what Paul is saying, principally because the team has lost almost no one to international call-ups, except Matt at times, Kamar at times, Roy Miller at times. Remember Roy Miller? Um I and I think there's – who is getting back into fitness, as is Cristobal, by the way. But I think this is a combination of a lot of things. I don't want to say less fixture congestion. You know, New York has had times where they've played – We talked. I, I brought it up last week. Dax with five 90-minute performances in 15 days. I mean, that's that's a lot of fixture congestion. But also, I mean, the team has been successful, as as Paul says, in answer letter H – that you know, the team started strong. They've been on quite a roll. They're one of the hottest teams in the league. And that allows you a little bit of a cushion to do. But I think if you talk to the players, as we talked to Felipe tonight, they're all in on the system. And the system seems to work. They have the most goals, uh, the for the most goals in MLS. And they have the biggest goal differential in MLS. And they have the fewest losses. So it, everything seems to be clicking. Why, why even question it? Let's just roll with it. I mean, it's a very, very happy time to be a Red Bull fan. Montreal has won 2-1 over Chicago and has pushed the fire. Uh, the only way the fire can make the playoffs at this point is if Montreal loses out and Chicago wins out and is able to make up 12 goals on goal differential. It's unlikely. So to say that Chicago is the first team eliminated from the MLS Cup playoffs is not mathematically true. But, but they're not, but in the they're heart, not going anywhere. In the heart, it feels in, that way. Deep, in, deep down inside, we know. Yeah. Which really puts that last game of the season. If New York has to win in Toyota Park, I mean, would you rather play a team like that that has absolutely nothing to play for, or maybe they'll be freed and be spoiler? A, Lord, a, a no. team that has nothing to play for, like the 2009 New York Red Bulls at home against Toronto? Yeah. <laughs> Or the team uh, that New York beat two nothing to get in, out in Chivas that time. So I don't know, man. So let's let's, let's hold it until the last. I I will laugh a lot if the shield comes down to that game in Chicago. Oh God, <laughs> I'm laughing now. Oof. I'm uh, I'm hoping that they can take care of it against Philly on the 18th. That would be stellar. Dan Dickinson calls it a 3-1 win for the New York Red Bulls Friday night at 7 at Red Bull Arena over Orlando City FC. SC, excuse me. Thank you, Orlando, for being an SC. I call it a 2-0 Red Bulls win. We'd like to thank Felipe Martins for taking part in his first interview on Seeing Red. We'd like to thank my partner, Dan Dickinson, and like to thank you for listening. So have a great night. We will be back next week to recap the game against Orlando. If you feel like coming out Saturday, Saturday at 5 for Red Bulls 2 playoffs against Pittsburgh, I think that would be much appreciated by the baby bulls in white. Uh, that's it from here at Seeing Red. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. 
This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com.